Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Avondale Memorial Church. Remember, we invite you to join our Sabbath services every Sabbath until the second coming of Jesus Christ. I would like to commence with the words of gratitude. I would like to thank you all again and again for your hospitality, your warmth, your love, your courtesy, which you have shown to our family in the past eight years. I would like to especially thank my dear wife, Dr. Elena, for her great support, and my precious children, Paul and Alex. I would like to thank everyone, but most of all, I want to thank my Lord and your Lord, Jesus Christ, for this beautiful present which He gave me in my life. In the past 24 and a half years of my pastoral ministry, Avondale Memorial uh, occupied eight years, which is one-third of my journey as a preacher of the gospel. And uh, the past eight years have been an amazing, wonderful sabbatical. When people ask me, how do you uh, take your ministry at Avondale Memorial? And I tell everybody, this has been a great Sabbath in life, a blessed, wonderful, amazing Sabbath in life. And again and again, I thank you all with all my heart. I would like to say, pronounce another word of prayer, prayer for those who are in need of prayer this morning. Would you please bow your heads with me? Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to seek and find, knock and see the doors opening. We want to thank you for the opportunity to ask and hear and receive an answer. We come to you in prayer. And we ask you for all those who are sick, please give them healing. I'm praying for those whose families have challenges, please bring peace and reconciliation. I'm praying for your provision for those who are jobless and have economical difficulties. We're praying for the entire country of Australia and every citizen, every person in this land. I'm praying for those who are bereaved and lost a loved one. We're praying for the ups and downs. We're praying for those who are hurting and are broken-hearted. Please come to your children and help them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Our topic this morning is, Come to me all. Come to me all. In the past eight years of my family's residing here in Australia and in Kurenbong, and our ministry at Avondale Memorial Church, I was able to be in the homes of most of our church members three to four times. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize that in spite of the well-being of Australia, and despite the fact that this is one of the most livable countries in the world, people are the same everywhere. And even in Australia, multitudes of people, when they are at home, they sit in the evenings in front of a lake, a lake of their own tears and sorrows. Like everywhere else in the world, there are huge challenges. Amongst us, in our church family, 
I found people with terminal cancers, children born with serious deformities, people having accidents and uh, full of pain, traumas, economic problems, joblessness, job losses, marriage breakdowns, children who no longer want to talk to their parents, marriages which are full of abuse and hatred and anger. Even in the church community, we have breakdowns in relationships. This is my seat. Please don't take it. And off goes someone who always hoped that this would be a piece of paradise. The pastor was wrong. He did not pay me the attention I deserved. And on top of these things, we have a lot of emotional challenges. We have wrecked dreams, ruined ambitions, destroyed plans for life. And uh, as a top of the cream, we have global challenges around the world. The problem of global terrorism, wars and conflicts, the resurrection of the Cold War, and many other problems. We have problems global and local and mounting stress of human society. All these things could be summarized in one phrase. There is sin in the world and there is human suffering. Human suffering. And when we come here to meet God, there is one simple response coming from God from the heart of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Uh, we are going to look at this passage today more carefully. But at first, as you are opening your Bibles, let us look at the surrounding context of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Let's look at Matthew's, uh, chapter, uh, Matthew's chapters 11 and 12. The Gospel of Matthew is very wisely designed and crafted. Matthew does not list the events of the life of Jesus in their chronological order, but he lists them in an order of importance of his message. And uh, at the beginning of Matthew 11, you find John the Baptist. He is in prison. He's puzzled. Right there, you also discover his disciples who are very perplexed and discouraged. And Jesus gives them a response. In chapter 11, verses uh, 20 and 21, you find a number of unrepentant cities. You remember the words. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida, if the miracles that were performed in you were performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So at the beginning, you find a picture of crisis. And on the other, hand, on the other side of 1128, you find another crisis. In Matthew 12, at the beginning, you find a dispute of Jesus with the Pharisees over the Sabbath-keeping issues, the disciples were plucking grains and eating them on the Holy Sabbath days. The Pharisees enter into a debate with Jesus Christ. And uh, 
On top of that, uh, on the Sabbath, Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand. Later, Jesus would be accused of demon possession. Uh, when he would cast out a demon, the Pharisees are quick to say, he casts the demons out by the power of the prince of demons, Beelzebub. At the end of chapter 12 of Matthew, you find a more intimate drama. The mother of Jesus and his brothers are coming to take him out of the house where he is surrounded by a crowd of attentive listeners. There is a family issue as well. John the Baptist, unrepentant cities, Pharisaic dispute, accusations of demon possession, family problems, all of these things do not paint a very positive picture in the context of Matthew 11 and 12. You see that uh, the responses of Jesus in these chapters are often very powerful and strong and very reprimanding. And right in the middle of these passages, right in the middle of the raging storm, you find a haven of peace. You find... Uh, Verses 25 to 29. It's a unique passage which contains the message of hope. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. The beauty of the gospel is that it is clear and simple. It is not a labyrinth through which you have to wander around for many years. It comes to a doctor of science and to a little child in a simple, understandable form and clear message. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. And Jesus says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. It was pleasing to God who is the most complex being in the whole universe, the creator of space and time, the maker of, of trillions of galaxies, myriads of stars, to make a simple, clear, direct path for every sinner to be saved. All things, Jesus says, have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom, to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. It's interesting that in this passage you find a hint to the divinity of Jesus. God is a being who is great. He has no limits. He has no beginning and no end. He is omnipresent. He fills with His presence the whole universe. God is omniscient. He has the ultimate knowledge. God is almighty. He is omnipotent. He has the ultimate source of power and creative energy. He is never changing, and He is full of love. And here Jesus says, my Father is the only one who really knows who I am. Jesus alludes. He points to His divine origin. And here he also talks about his divinity because no one in the whole universe could claim or will ever be claimed that he knows the Father completely. But Jesus knows that. And this sacred knowledge of the character of God, his tolerance, his 
patience, his attentiveness, care, uh, his love, his compassion, his graciousness, his mercy. All of these uh, beautiful attributes of God's character, Jesus is the only one who knows the fullness of that. And then he says, I am able to reveal God's charming, so attractive character to the ones I choose. And who are the ones that Jesus chooses? They're the ones who make their choices for Him. It's a mutual choice. Salvation is a mutual experience. It's a unique connection of the divine and human, of holy God and repenting sinner on earth. And in the salvation experience, right in the heart of it, God opens His beautiful, splendid, awesome character to a repentant sinner. And then Jesus tells His disciples and the crowds, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will do what? I will give you rest. Let's pronounce these words together. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is the best medicine in the entire universe. It's better than any medicine most advanced in any pharmacy in Australia or the United States or Germany. Jesus says, come to me all, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Even scientific evidence proves this, proves this text to be true. Once Dr. Rashal, he's a Russian Jewish doctor, when interviewed on television said, in my clinic for children, I noticed, and we actually made studies, and the number of medical students actually made research papers that those patients who pray and give their lives to God, they heal faster. There is similar evidence coming from a number of American hospitals. There is scientific medical evidence which proves that people live better and longer if they have Jesus in their hearts. When uh, there was this global study of the areas in the world with the best longevity of life, they focused on three places, Loma Linda University, the island of Sardinia in Italy, and the island of Okinawa in Japan. I think in their study they ignored Kurenbong. Uh, I think Avondale is a unique place which could boast longevity of life. And when people ask me, why is it that in the retirement village people live, seem to live forever? I tell them it's very simple, because they believe in Jesus Christ. They have peace in their hearts. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. In the King James Version it says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Those who have a heavy load pressing you down. This enormous stress, who are depressed and oppressed in their feelings. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus is using an example from the world of agriculture. He was such an amazing teacher, the best teacher who ever lived, never finished a university, but who was the author of all knowledge, the rabbi who traveled around Palestine, and in simple terms, using parables, allusions, proverbs, and other illustrations, demonstrated the wealth of divine wisdom to humankind. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am, and could you read it out loud for me? Gentle and humble in heart. 
That is who God is. You remember when Jesus uh, was in a dialogue with Thomas, he said, He who saw me saw whom? Saw the Father. So if you want to know who God is, this great God who, as Hebrews tell us, uh, is a devouring fire, on one hand, he is a lion of revelation. On the other hand, he is a humble lamb of revelation. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. Here you find uh, the Hebrew parallelism. The Hebrew people, uh, when they would uh, want you to remember something, they would repeat it over and over and over again. And here in this passage, the term rest comes to us twice. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Then he repeats himself. He expands this thought and says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And in the surrounding narratives, in the surrounding passages, in the middle of turmoil, stress, and conflict, Jesus brings healing to people. John the Baptist, he is there in prison, in a small dungeon, in a small celly, a smelly cell. And there come the words of encouragement from Jesus himself. He says, I tell you the truth, tell John the Baptist, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus commends John the Baptist, and he comforts him, sending his word, words of encouragement through his disciples. There comes in chapter 12 a man in a synagogue with a shriveled hand, and Jesus touches him and heals him. And then his healing power expands. Look at chapter 12, verse 15. Aware of this, the Bible says, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed, and could you read out loud what it says next? All their sick. The Bible says he healed all their sick. His personality and his healing power was available to all. And uh, later, when uh, you find uh, the demon possession, he drives out the demon, another miracle of healing. And at the end, he does not talk uh, negatively about his mom and his brothers. He loves them still. It would be at the cross where Jesus would look after his mom till his last breath, passing her care into the hands of his beloved disciple John. He would always love his mom and his brothers. Some of his brothers would become the fiery preachers of his teaching, like James, the author of the letter of James. Yet at the end of chapter 12, at the end of chapter 12, he forms a new community of the new covenant, of the new alliance of God and humans. He says, he who does the will of my father, he is my brother, he is my sister, and he is my mother. So right here, in chapters 11 and 12 of Matthew, where you find a lot of passages with the negative spirit, with the information with the minus sign, you find a passage standing out with a sign plus, with a positive message. And that is, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, let us try to take what we've just read in the Gospels, written uh, just a few decades after the death and the resurrection of Jesus in the first century. So, let us take these passages and transfer them to our time, to the 21st century, how they relate to our society today. The problem of suffering. That's what we mentioned at the very beginning. The world is full of suffering. And none of us can avoid suffering. How can we, as the followers of Christ, help our society? How can we help our community, all of humankind, in the middle of suffering? Well, I believe that the world today, where there's so little knowledge of the true character of God, it needs to be made aware of who Jesus is, of who Jesus Christ really is. We need somehow to make Jesus touchable, tangible, visible. Uh, somehow our society needs to have an opportunity to realize who Jesus is. And therefore, I believe the church is designed, this family, hundreds of people, over a thousand of people at Avondale, is designed to become a healing ground, a caring zone. It would be the same apostle, Matthew, Someone who was a publican, a tax collector, an outcast, despised by his own community, who would write this gospel. And uh, closer to the end of his gospel, listing the, uh, one of Jesus' final sermons on the Mount of Olives, in Matthew 25, he says that there is an opportunity for the followers of Jesus to make Jesus visible, touchable, tangible. You remember his words in Matthew 24, uh, 25, verse 34. He says to people in judgment. I was, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was a new visitor in the church and ten church members asked me, please take my seat. I'll look for another one. Take mine, and if you take it forever, I'll be happy. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. God bless the community services center. God bless you. I was sick, and you look after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. What is the future of us? Well, the meaning of this church, its sacred mission, and its optimistic future is if it becomes a healing ground. If people in this church would realize who we are, that we are all sinners in a large hospital of Jesus with, uh, with a head doctor, with a chief doctor, Jesus Christ. We're not a gallery of saints. Of course, colliding with each other will hurt each other sometimes. But at the same time, I believe that we should not just rely on the doctorship of Jesus, I believe we need to produce thousands of doctors, people with 
healing words, encouraging looks, smiling eyes, warm and embracing hands, cheerful hearts, understanding souls. That is the future of the church. The community just needs to know if I'm in trouble, there is one place where I'll always be received and welcome. And that is the Red Brick Church in the heart of Kurenbong. And on top of that, I believe, not only the acts of kindness, but also the verbal message will remain till the end. God wants us all to tell our neighbors, tell our friends, tell everyone on earth about Jesus and give them an invitation. Come to me all who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This invitation is something that the world is so desperate to hear. I was desperate to hear this when I was a teenager. I was living in a country, growing in the days of perestroika, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go and queue to buy bread in a queue of 3,000 people. Was it a nice experience? Well, can you imagine standing in queue for several hours and reaching the counter in the store and realizing that the bread was over, just two people in front of you? My parents, they were in conflict. My mother was in depression. My family was about to break up. The divorce application was there in court. At school, the people were completely disorientated. And, uh, and the young teenagers and young people were filled more and more with vacuum in their hearts, having lost the great moral standards of communism. The society was becoming very cruel. Yesterday, the streets were so safe that a policeman would have only a whistle. Then the streets turned into crime and war zones, explosions, killings were everywhere. And I was a teenager asking myself, all of my childhood dreams were being ruined. I was thinking that one day I'll have, I'll, I'll live in this beautiful utopic world where everybody will be equal. Everyone would be so nice to each other and share with each other. I was actually dreaming about something that Jesus was talking about in the Gospels. I was thinking about the best community in the world, but my uh, heart and soul came to the bankruptcy of life. And I was so happy when I heard the invitation of Jesus as a 14-year-old teenager. Come to me, all you who are weary and who are burdened, and I will give you rest. I was so happy to find Jesus Christ. I was begging Him to enter my heart. I was not reluctant. I actually, when I realized how great, how awesome, how wonderful God was, when I, found, when I discovered uh, from the world of science that evolution was not the only answer, that creationism had enough weight on its scales to prove that there is a creator God, when I discovered that I was hidden pieces of information that archaeology proved the historicity of the Bible, when I looked at 
uh, all the evidence surrounding the empty tomb of Jesus and came to the realization that Jesus is alive. He is real. He really died. His death was confirmed by the Roman soldiers who even put a spear into his chest to see the blood and water come out. When I saw that he was alive, he left the tomb, I realized that everything that Jesus shared in his life was true. And when I accepted him into my heart, I became the happiest person in the world. And this was my desire and shall always be. I want to tell as many people as possible in the world about these words of hope. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. At my evangelistic campaigns, now I've done 89 evangelistic programs, every time I call people to get baptized, I give them baptismal cards, decision cards, and on top of those cards, I always put the words of Matthew 11:28. Come to me. How many? All. He loves all. Those who love him and those who hate him. Those who accept him and those who reject him. The sun shines. The rain waters the earth, uh, regardless of people's convictions about God. But he loves them all. And he extends his loving invitation to them all. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me all, 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 Jesus says. I know that many of us experience bereavement. I never suspected that my mom would ever be lost to me so early in life. She was only 57 years old when she passed. It was here when I was spent a year and a half at Avondale Memorial when my sister rang me and called me that, uh, told me that, uh, the operation on esophagus cancer, which my mother had, small cancer, still able to be treated, was unsuccessful. That she was developing blood poisoning and her days were numbered. I remember flying that big Emirates plane from Sydney to Dubai and onwards to Russia to the Ural Mountains to see my mother. And on the plane I was praying, Lord, maybe you'll make a miracle. Please heal my mom. I was calling the doctors. Uh, from Dubai and asking them, will she be still alive when I arrive? And they said, we'll do our best to keep her alive for your arrival from Australia. And I walked into the room. There she was, my mom, who grew up as an atheist. And my father walked in with me, also an atheist. And he was crying, and there was the intensive care doctor. And I, when I walked into, into that room, I could not recognize my mom. She looked so different, disfigured by illness. And when I told her, Mom, this is me, Vadim, the doctor warned me. She, he said, Vadim, your mother will not hear, will not be able to talk back to you because she's uh, uh, fully intubated. And uh, the only reaction you'll get from her, she can move her arms and she can hear you because she is almost half dead. And when I said, Mom, this is me, Vadim. I've just come from Australia to see you. I saw on the monitors how her blood pressure went up, and she shook on bed, and her hand started looking for something. I took her hand, and there she was, my mom. She realized I was there. She could not talk back to me. Her eyes were closed, but she knew I was there. And then I was talking to her, opening one page of the gospel after another, telling her how much God loved her, how much Jesus loved her. And then I knelt and had an anointing service, according to James 5, and I was praying with her. The doctor, the nurses were there. They were looking, 
And I was asking my mom, would you like to, for Jesus to become your friend and your personal Savior today? If, I know you will not be able to say anything to me, but if you could move your fingers. And you know what happened. There was a long pause after which the fingers of my mom moved. Sometimes it takes one word to be saved. People say, yes, I want to believe. But if you can't say yes, even if you just move one finger, a pinky one, that would be enough to save you for all eternity. In a few days, my mom died. And I performed, performed her funeral, uh, which in Russia takes many hours. And I, as I was flying back, sitting in that big Emirates mega liner, flying from Dubai back to Sydney, my heart was broken. And I was looking in the window of a plane at the starry skies of the equator zone and asking God many questions, sharing my bitter disappointment, disappointments with Him. And then comfort and peace came into my heart. God told me, I will look after you, Mom. You have nothing to worry. She is in my hands. She is in my hands. And when uh, the end comes, when the great final of human civilization appears, I will let you hug her and never separate. And when I came to church, I received countless cards for which I'm so thankful to you. I remember Elma Coombe gave me a card where she wrote a poem, her own poem, which says, My mother is sleeping. That brought so much comfort and support to my heart. There is Jesus Christ, my dear brothers and sisters, available to us all in sickness, in the job loss, in bereavement, in family disappointments. Today, Jesus Christ is there. So what would be my appeal to all of you this morning? First of all, let us pursue let us long, let us desire to make this church a curing zone, a healing ground. Just look at people who surround you. You may even dislike some of them because they may have hurt you. Well, it's time to leave behind the old hurtings. It's time to leave behind the old offenses. It's time to throw all the negativism and all the bad things into the Pacific Ocean. Drown them there permanently. Let the sharks eat those negative things. It's time for Christ to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords among God's people. It's, it's time for His beauty, for His character to be displayed among God's children. It's time for the church to be the healing ground. And my final word, my friend, maybe you came to church today because your heart is broken. Your feelings are not the best. My friend, come and receive healing from Jesus. Just listen to his beautiful words. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe, my friend, you've never made up your mind to give your heart to Jesus. 
Could I give you this opportunity this morning? Would you say in your heart, Jesus Christ, please come to my life, enter my heart invisibly today, and become my friend and my personal Savior. My dear family, my dear beloved Avondale Memorial family, would you like to experience healing in your lives from Jesus Christ himself? Could I see the hands of those who want to have the healing of Jesus in their hearts? The healing of Jesus in their souls. I want to have healing. Let us pray. Dear Father, dear Jesus, today we come to you all and we want to have rest in our hearts. Please save us for all eternity and bring healing to our lives. In your name. Amen.